Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Hey everybody, Jeff Dwoskin here, welcoming you to yet another bonus episode. The feedback's been so great. Jeff, we're so happy we finally have TV shows to binge watch. We had completely run out of ideas and your show saved us, writes a viewer from Topeka, Kansas. Well, thank you and thank all of you who thought about writing but didn't, but have been touched by our show Crossing the Streams. Of course, the idea of crossing the streams is a bunch of friends getting together, talking about TV shows that we love to binge and watch with hopes that you'll walk away with new ideas of shows you can watch as well. You can find full episodes of all the shows on YouTube at The Jeff DeWaskin Show on YouTube. You can, of course, listen live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time when we go live with Crossing the Streams on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the Fireside app. This week's bonus episode has segments from episode 20, 44, and 40. Why I didn't say those in order, I have no idea, but I didn't. Here we are. Let's move on. We're going to be discussing the Americans with friend of the show, Scott Curtis, Documentary Now with Howard Rosner, and Scheitzel with Ron Lippett. If you're like, Jeff, some of those shows I've never even heard of. That's the point of the show. We like to introduce shows that maybe you haven't heard of. Some gems that are just hiding out there. Sure, we cover the shows that everyone's talking about, like last week we did Squid Game, but we also dive deep into some of our favorites that maybe no one else has even heard of. So without further ado, let me turn it over to Howard Rosner to tell us all about Documentary Now. Documentary Now? Yeah. So Documentary Now was an IFC show. It's on Netflix now. There's three seasons. It is a show that was created by Seth Meyers, Bill Hader, and Fred Armisen, who collectively are three people that I absolutely love and find absolutely hysterical. Bill Bill Hader is one of the funniest people on the planet. Yeah. Um, And it is uh, a send-up. Every episode is a send-up of a popular famous documentary uh so in the three seasons amongst the shows uh the famous documentaries that they make that they parody uh great gardens which is a famous one uh vice just vice documentaries are um is is an episode uh with jack black called drones the hunt for el chingon which is a great episode um <laughs> it's, it's one of the best ones the bunker which is uh was the famous clinton uh election team episode the best one is probably a two-part send-up in season one of the History of the Eagles documentary about a band called the Blue Jean Committee that is uh, just superb. There's some great musical cameos in that Th- throughout all three of the episodes or all three of the seasons. In every episode are uh, some uh, just incredible cameos. A bunch of the shows 
were written or co-written by John Mulaney. Um, it's they're very much his sensibility. So it's, you know, all these guys that were, um, you know, friends on, on SNL and the SNL writing staff. Uh, they send up, uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which was a great documentary, Swimming to Cambodia, which was a great documentary, uh, Stop Making Sense, the famous Talking Heads, um, mm. performance documentary. So, so these are basically just, spoofs of all of them but it's so they're so well we done. could do an entire episode of just the real ones yeah yeah seriously <laughs> um it's uh it it's so well done uh the last episode of season three was actually uh written uh by tim robinson who we've talked about uh from uh Detroiters think you should leave, uh, which is still one of the funnier shows on, uh, streaming right now. I did that about a while ago. So it's, it's just great. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely catch, uh, the drones episode. Uh, if you want to cherry pick the drones episode and the two part blue jean committee from season one, the last episode, which was called any given Saturday afternoon, which is a send up of a league of ordinary gentlemen, which is about, uh, the PBA tour and the guys, uh, that were big on the PBA tour at the yeah. time. Um, so it's a, a bowling fake bowling documentary. It's just, a, it's a really, really smart, funny show. Uh, and Hader and Armisen are in, you know, almost every one of the episodes and they're, they're so good. It's, it's just a, it's a really, really good parody. Uh, I liked it a lot. So three seasons on Netflix. All right. That was documentary. Now you love comedy. You love documentaries. Sounds like that is the show for you. Check it out. Tweet us at Jeff Dewaskin show. Let us know what you think. If you've seen it or after you see it. Can't wait to hear from you. Our next show is The Americans, starring Carrie Russell. Scott Curtis, friend of the show, is going to talk us through that. This segment also turns into a really cool conversation about different ways to watch and consume shows. Enjoy. Let's talk about The Americans. Um, this is a show that I am excited to hear about, Scott, because I kind of wanted to watch this show. I hear it's mm-hmm. I hear it's good, but let's, let's hear yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, so when this first came out, this came out in 2013 at five seasons, and I watched a few episodes by myself, and because my wife was watching something else, and then I decided as I was watching it that this would be good for us to watch together, so I didn't watch anymore, and then I forgot about it, and uh, never watched any more seasons, and then it showed up on Amazon Prime, so I pulled it up, and didn't remember much of it but it's it's a really cool show and it it makes me wonder you know how much of it could actually be true because it's weird it it's it's during the reagan years cold war is just uh at its peak and these two kgb trained agents come to america or they're in america that kind of opens with them there with uh they're fake married, but they've got two kids that are real and being raised as American kids. And they have all these missions they got to do. And it's always impossible missions. And there is a lot of graphic sex and violence, uh, probably too much um, for the show. They could, they could just allude to things rather than go right into it. But anyway, they, there's, there's a lot of intrigue there. Um, FBI agent moves next door or across the street from him and he becomes a big part of it. He tries to turn a um, woman that uh, works for the KGB head there at the uh, 
diplomacy place. Um, and um, it's just, there's so much to it. There's so many layers that, you know, watching it, especially because we just got through season one and we're about two episodes in season two. Uh, just going through it, I, I'm really hooked because I want to know what happens. And I, I hope they tied it up well, because if they didn't, I'm going to be pissed. They did. Okay. Yep, they did. They okay. did. Okay. So you guys they have did. seen it. I yes. I stopped watching it after season two because she cut her hair and it ruined the whole thing for me. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> Washington. Carrie yeah, Russell. Carrie Russell. Russell is Russell, the sexiest. I I, oh I love her in Ugh. that show, and uh, I think she does a great job. Yeah. It it is a little bit gratuitous. I I will I will agree with you on that, but. I don't mind. <laughs> she's, well, she's, yeah, yeah. When she's in the when she, yeah, there's a lot of butt there, and uh, and it's 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 okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Is it necessary? All of it? Uh, I don't think so. So I, I'll say this about the Americans without without giving anything away, Jeff. It it uh, it does suffer from the same thing. For those of you who watched Ozark and other shows like it, there's only so much. Um, stress you can put on your audience before yeah. they start kind of it, it actually reverses the interest yeah. and and I, Ozark suffers from that same thing it, every single show you're exhausted yeah. by how close they came to you know being caught or being killed or whatever and I, that's my only criticism of the Americans because I always I always feel like they're so close to you know things going wrong for them that, that I think it's thing. yeah oh, go ahead Brian go, no I'm sorry go ahead Jeff I would no. I was just gonna say that's one of the reasons I can't rewatch Breaking Bad. Though I yeah. feel yes. like I loved Breaking yes. Bad. Same thing. Same all thing. the way through. But some of those episodes, when I think back to the episode where they were trying to get rid of that body and uh, they were using the thing in the tub <laughs> yeah. in that house, yeah. and it was like, oh yeah. When I think, I can't even, I can't even imagine watching sitting through that hour again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's certain episodes of that show I just I couldn't. I I don't think I could. I did it once. And I enjoyed that ride a hundred percent, and I think everyone should take it. But it's just like it's not a show I can rewatch. I think it's such a fair point, Ron, that you make that there's a that every episode bends you to the point of breaking almost right, right. almost every single episode. There's a few filler episodes here and there. The characters are so well developed, you feel like you know these characters, and you're so invested in what's happening that every episode becomes. A real ride but i think like breaking bad i watched it once and even though it's everywhere it's so available for me to watch again and it's one of my it's in the, my top three shows of all times as is the americans i don't choose to go back and do that again because i took that ride i like the way that it made me feel i was okay with the way that it ended same with the americans and each episode the way that it unraveled i was so emotionally invested in i know that i won't be that way a second time around so i'm just choosing like it's not the moment it's not the time for me to go back around so i almost enjoyed the fact that it kind of stressed me to break it like i knew there was not going to be a boring episode of the americans now i'd say in season three or four there are a couple episodes i'm like oh okay didn't we do this like in episode two and episode yeah. one but i think the americans is a true gem of u.s television uh creation no doubt and i i except came, for the butt it, too much butt yeah well, a little bit too much 
and it came 2013 was when there was such a proliferation it really started like everybody had a good show on tbs amc everybody had a good show and there was no way that unless you watch tv 18 hours a day that you were going to keep up with all that stuff and you had to pick and i don't mm. remember which one i picked i don't know it might have been longmire or something like that anyway but yeah i watched you know we picked one and we watched that together and now we're you know through the magic of uh streaming tv i just don't care if i miss something anymore uh it, it's just like it's always going to be there so i'll watch it when i watch it so and the fact that this is a period piece you don't really get taken out of it because you know even 2013 there's was different than it is now you know yeah. pre-covid and all that kind of stuff it doesn't take you out of the period because you're in the reagan period anyway so it's not like it's ever going to be dated it's yeah. uh because it, it's uh, you know playing on history i i think you make a you make a really good point yeah 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 you I make a good point yeah, yeah yeah the americans was like the show i didn't watch just because i, I was already maxed out I, I remember people talking about it, but you know, I didn't catch Breaking Bad at first either. And we ended up with Breaking Bad. I think we talked about this, Scott, maybe, maybe. Um, Breaking Bad, I watched with my wife. We caught up and then watched the last eight episodes live, like as they were actually airing. Mm. So, and I, you know, I got to say, like, there's something about binging and not watching things when they actually happen that I feel makes it a little easier to watch. Like, mm. for example, Breaking Bad, where even like, I remember I thinking back to The Sopranos, and I think we talked about this. There was so much time in between seasons of The Sopranos in those later years, I'd forget the show was even on still. And so by the time a show comes back, and the streaming channels were always bad at this or getting a little better at this now, there was no recaps. Yeah. There was nothing like if you waited in a year and a half to see The Sopranos, there was nothing that reminded you what happened. <laughs> Mm. And like you would only and think about that in the terms of like the streaming, how we watch TV now. Right. A new season. If if this only murders in the building had just come out and they put all 10 episodes out or all the Ted Lasso's were out at the same time. All, mo the majority of people would watch the, that six hours, eight hours within seven days. Right. Mm. The new episode wouldn't the new series wouldn't come out for 300 more days. Right. So it's like you don't even remember some of the nuances and the things that happen because you watch it so fast. But the nice thing about this watching is why that these these streaming platforms are choosing to roll them out to, you know, a la carte television style is because they they want to keep the PR going. They want to. Yeah, and bring then we back a little of that, that appointment television, appointment streaming that's going. I think that's I think it's always a mistake when they new shows that they don't create the the events you know what i mean like mm, every right. wednesday people are talking about what if the new marvel show and every friday people talk about the new ted lasso show if you put everything out in the same week which netflix has done right they'll put out this huge new show and then literally seven days later nobody's talking about it again mm. <laughs> right it's yeah. like why wouldn't you like yeah. that's the beauty of like these marvel shows loki people talked about loki for two months two two and a half months as they kind of stretch it out, all those shows, all those shows, right? So to me, it's also like you can't have a conversation because if if you have eight hours of TV available to you and you're in episode six and Ron's on four and Scott's finished and I'm halfway through, Scott can't talk to any of us because he can't. He watched it yeah. so fast. He can't remember what happened 
in episode one, two, three, or four, you know, and he'll accidentally give something away or it just, it makes it impossible to have conversations and the fun of guessing what's coming next. You know, it mm. just takes all that away. So I enjoy the slow mm. burns. Mm. That's me. And, That's me. and I think the whole releasing the entire series thing, I think it's almost like a, standoff now it's like who's going to be the first one who is smart enough to get away from this and go back to the weekly episodes and nobody's nobody has enough guts to do it but steve steve and martin short they are doing it so there was another show that just recently well, came the, out the mandalorian was doing the same thing wasn't it they was that, were releasing okay. on a weekly yeah they did weekly they did weekly yeah yeah scott i uh step, yeah i you know i i wanted to follow up on, on on what you said a second ago about uh you know, that it's okay to miss things. And I, I'll just say that the technology and the algorithms now are so good and they're so accurate about reminding you of, reminding you yeah. of, what, of what you've missed and things oh, yeah. that it predicts accurately, I might add, of what you're going to like. And like Apple TV is fantastic at that. Yeah. And it keeps me to watch the Snoopy show. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I don't want to rob Scott Curtis of uh, his Casey Ryan plot convinced. Mm. So I didn't oh. want to rob you of that. Thanks. Thanks, CRP. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Scott Curtis. Let us know what you think about the Americans. If you've seen it, great conversation that just sort of happened. That's what happens with the live show. You never know where it's going to go. You start talking about a show. And we branch off into different conversation topics all the time, usually always related to whatever we're talking about, but it's live, it's fun, and don't forget to catch us every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you get on the Fireside app, you can actually come on stage and talk with us. In the meantime, let's turn over to Ron Lippett and Scheitzel. This is Scheitzel. Yeah, say it again. Shit, shit, so <laughs> this is. So, it's, I, I have to tell you, that's half the fun of this show is well, trying to find people yeah. to to pronounce this show correctly. Kickel is my one of my favorite Jewish pastries. It's got a nice crunch to it, and it's made with a twist. Yeah, <laughs> that, nice, <laughs> nice. So but, the yeah. correct pronunciation of the of the show is shtisel. And what is, uh, what is it? It's shtisel. 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 Hmm. And, and you know, uh, Shulam Stiesel is the is the main character, and this is a, a really interesting show. And I have to say, Jeff, I think this is my fourth or maybe even my fifth Israeli show that I have reviewed on Crossing the Streams. Uh, there's something about these Israeli shows, whether they're comedy or drama. Um, there is a, a burgeoning uh, Hollywood-like industry coming out of Israel right now that's being recognized by the American. Uh, you know, cinematic universe out there. And I, I think what's what's fascinating about this show right from the start is this show, the season one, it's only three seasons and it finished up. It's it's three seasons and out. But what was interesting is the show was actually, season one was in 2013. And this show had a slow and steady build in Israel and then across uh, Europe. And it started building momentum. And if you can imagine this, and I don't know, I can't think of another show that might have the, the same tracking like this. Netflix didn't pick up the first season of Stiesel until 2018. Five years had gone by before uh, before Netflix grabbed it and, and started to reproduce it for American audiences. And by then, they had already had the first two seasons. It was actually produced by an Israeli production company called Yes, which is the same production company that produced Unorthodox, 
uh, and a couple of um, other big uh, Israeli shows. In fact, uh, you may recall Shira Haas, who was the big star of Un- Unorthodox, uh, and who you know, Zach. I think you talked, or uh, I think you talked about how you and I might have had an argument about uh, about her overacting. Uh, but um, she's the big star that came out of Stiesel originally, even though Stiesel um, we're watching it after Unorthodox but actually happened long before unorthodox. So it's just, it's just interesting how this all went down. Anyway, it's the story of a uh, modern Orthodox family uh, in Jerusalem, Israel. And, and one of the things I truly appreciate about this show is it doesn't take the cheap way out at all. It's not the story of somebody trying to get out of an oppressive family or an oppressive religion. It's more about, um, the reverse about people who are content um, living inside this this very hard to understand subculture of Judaism of this of this ultra orthodox um, sect within within Israel, but it, it it paints the picture that families are families <laughs> no matter no matter who you are no matter where you come from no matter what your religious beliefs are you still have the the family drama uh, that that uh, can come out anywhere and I, I found it really really interesting because I I kept waiting for the show to take a cheap way out with us and it never does it all it stays true to who this family is um, their problems are real the solutions are not very convenient uh, but they're true to life and you really sympathize with a lot of the characters I love the fact that they invest in characters that at first you don't understand or maybe even dislike. And yet they turn out to be much stronger, deeper uh, characters than than you had realized going in. And you end up rooting for these people, um, people that, um, that, uh, that you didn't understand to begin with Uh, a gentleman named Michael Aloni uh, plays the lead character of Akiva Stiesel. This is the son, another ultra Orthodox uh, actor who becomes a very famous artist his character does in Israel. So he's got to balance the fact of how do you become, how are you ultra Orthodox and uh, an artist at the same time, which is a very unusual uh, thing. Uh, and his, his story arc takes him um, to places that you, you wouldn't expect uh, for an ultra Orthodox. And I, I think that's really interesting. Some of the things uh, are about you learning about life within the ultra Orthodoxy, things like, um, it's okay to smoke and drink and cuss and and uh, have fights and for people to be shysters and and thieves and liars and uh, people who aren't faithful to their wives. Like this is all real uh, stuff. And the show the show does a really great job uh, of packaging things up in, in one community and one family. And I I just I, I just love it. And, and uh, one other interesting thing I'll just tell you about this show, which is also true about unorthodox. Uh, but I maybe this is true for a lot of the Israeli shows. And maybe I'm starting to learn this. Is that they have flawlessly moved between Yiddish and Hebrew uh, in the languages, uh, and then move on to German uh, in in some cases, and even French in in, in some cases. And I, it's just it's so beautiful how um, culturally um, they feel so comfortable uh, moving from language to language. Uh, because that's part of, of of who they are. It's part of what the culture is. So I, I thought that was interesting. There's very little English in this. So if you're not into subtitles, Stiesel might not be your thing. But I will tell you this. It's a very compelling show. It, every episode leaves you uh, wanting more. Uh, I keep saying it. There's nothing cheap about this show. The characters are beautiful. They're well-developed. They're real. 
there's a lot of uncomfortable things that that happen in the show that end up being uh, uh, taken care of one way or another. And in three seasons, they sew up the storyline very, very neatly. Um, maybe not the way you wanted, uh, but it's real. And I really appreciate it about that. So go ahead and watch Diesel. Uh, great show. And I think you guys will enjoy it. Nice. Ron, can you clarify, like, what when you, if it started in 2013? Yep. But it has dates that go all the way up to 2021. Yeah, so this is interesting. So so 2013 and 2015 were the first two seasons. And then they the Actors Guild in Israel um, could not come to terms with the Yes Network for the third season. So they got paused. Um, and then Netflix came in and said, well, we'll take care of that. And we'll, pay, we'll pay these people to, uh, to do it. But they were still under contract with Yes. It became a big thing. Then COVID hit. It, it halted any thought of production, uh, and then they they rushed through. I say that negatively sounding, but it, it, it's it's still well done. Um, the last season, uh, just this past year uh, during during COVID. Um, what's interesting about that? I, I kind of hinted at this a little before. Is that in 2021, Shira Haas and Michael Aloni are huge stars in Israel now. So it's not like it'd be like you know trying to get the cast back of the Untouchables. Uh, like 20 years after they, they did the, you know, right. it, it's just, it's, it, it was very difficult. Is there uh, an obvious time jump? I mean, if, if they film like eight years no. later. No, it's, wow. it's, uh, they, they didn't address it. Uh, the characters look a little older. One of the characters, I won't ruin it. One of the characters looks a lot older, unfortunately, and it kind of didn't fit but, quite well. Uh, one, you know, but, uh, but all in all, I think they did, they did a nice job with it. That's what happened with the rested development when season yeah. four came on. It was like, it happened like five minutes after season three. Ended. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, listen, I, I, I appreciated that they were in a, they were in a situation. The show wasn't done. They were stuck. They needed, they needed these big, the only way they were going to finish the show was with these big stars now who, who were still under contract technically with the show. Uh, so the fact that they were able to get it together and that these stars were even willing just for their art to go back and finish up this show. I respect that a lot. Uh, and I, I think it's cool. It's it's one of the things that Netflix has really done a great job of. I mean, obviously all their original stuff uh, has, has been great, but uh, it, it's like what they did with Kingdom. They've gone and found all over the world and licensed these shows that nobody else saw. And, you know, like if you have, if you have a need for content, you know, and it's, Everybody all over the world is doing great it, content. It's Just true. license it and put it out to people and let people watch these shows that are great. They, they figured it out. I mean, I, I, who who produced the uh, the Great British uh, big, big Show? Is that is that, that was, was that BBC. Netflix? It was, it was BBC. BBC. Yeah. So that's like a perfect example. There is great content everywhere. And Netflix is figuring it out. Why are you smiling? What's going on? Jerry's oh, she made so with the schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Jerry. I ate schnitzel with the schnauzer. <laughs> with uh, a schnauzer. <laughs> was that, was that, yeah, that's well, it's it's you know it, it reminded me. It's like the stars coming together. It, it reminded me of the other cinematic classic how they got the entire cast back together for Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going oh, yeah, with yeah. the Brady Bunch Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, Ron, it's funny you bring up this show because uh, I was sitting doing work in my office on Monday afternoon, and uh, from the other room, I hear the opening notes of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> my wife, who is not raised Jewish, uh, is now watching Fiddler on the Roof for the first time. And then about an hour in, she texts me from the other room and says, 
our people have some really weird customs, <laughs> which just killed me. And I'm like, yes, our people yeah. do have some really weird customs. All right. That was Scheitzel. Thank you very much, Ron Lippett. If you like foreign TV shows that can be found on any of the streaming services, Ron Lippitt's your man. He finds them all the time, brings them to the show. So definitely tune in weekly to hear him live. Eventually, they'll make them to the bonus episodes. Scheitzel rounds off the third show we'll be talking about today. We covered that of the Americans and documentary. Now, plenty of homework for you. Don't forget to join us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the Fireside app. We look forward to hearing how much you love these shows. In the meantime, don't be afraid to tell your family you're busy. You're watching TV. Go cross some streams, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.